Hey guys, welcome to the LT Brings the Heat podcast. We're your hosts, Sean Laird and Adam Heisler, where we talk about baseball and sports performance. With topics ranging from coaching, business, and player development, our goal is to bring you a no BS approach to development in baseball and sports performance. Hope you guys enjoy. Let's rock and roll. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of LT Brings the Heat. We're your hosts, Sean Laird and Adam Heisler. Uh, we are going to cover some things today. Uh, we're going to talk about the MLB a little bit, um, talking about strikeouts being super high. Adam was just talking about this before we went on. Um, but the main topic today that we're going to kind of cover um, is execution over excuses. And I've been hearing a lot of excuses from players. And this is, I mean, not just this year, but I've hearing excuses over the years of uh, coach won't play me because of this. I'm not given the opportunities I deserve. Um, you know, I'm not a relief pitcher. I'm a starting pitcher. And we're going to kind of cover these things so people kind of straighten out the right attitude and the right mindset because um, there's a successful mindset. Uh, there's, a, there's a growth mindset that, that if you want to be successful in the game and in life that you need to have. Uh, and then there's the loser mindset and, and, and the person that woe is me, the victim mindset. And I'm not a fan of that mindset. As I, And I think most people would say they're not a fan of that mindset. But most people that listen to this might not be aware of when they – kind of trickle into that victim mindset. And we're all guilty of, 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 of kind of making this mistake and saying, well, I, I should do this or I, I deserve this. And we kind of got to get that out of our vocabulary. And I kind of want to touch on that today and kind of go from there. But how's everything going with you, Adam? Everything's going great. We uh, got playoffs starting up this week. So like we talk about all the time, there's nothing like playoff baseball, no matter what level you're at. So it seems like the intensity ramps up, The every single out matters, every single at bat, every single pitch. So it's going to be fun to kind of keep up with the guys that we've been tracking all year to see how they're going to perform. I always talk about, I, I believe the best players perform when the lights are the brightest. And so it's cool to see maybe if they struggled this year or maybe if it wasn't their best year, like that can all change by how you perform in the playoffs just like the other way around of maybe you had a really great year, but you get in the playoffs and you try to do too much or you tense up a little bit as opposed to just letting the game come to you like you have been all year. So advice for playoffs baseball is just compete every single pitch and get after it like you've been doing all year. Nothing changes. It's still the same game. These games just mean a little bit more. So don't leave anything left behind. Make sure you leave it out on the field. So that's where we're at. What about you guys? What's going on up there? Oh, man, um, we were just talking before, but uh, LT squad had a PR record. We had 19 home runs this past week as a group, oh. so it was really cool. Yeah, it was uh, – we, we, I know we were just talking before we came on, but it's like, man, I, it's going to be hard to keep track of this stuff. It's, we're, we're trying to maintain and do this, and I, I went to a lesson yesterday, and one of my kids had two bombs I didn't even know about this past week, and it's, it's really cool to see the hard work on our guys uh, pay off and all the work ethic and everything, and it's, it's enjoyable to see – and getting those text messages, obviously, like, and as you know, Adam, like getting text messages all the time, it gets exhausting. But at the same time, it's worth it in a lot of cases when you see some of the success and you see the, just, you know, the smile on people's faces and, and, and some of the clients and, you know, they're achieving goals that they set themselves out to do. Um, and it's, it's really cool for them. You know, you get that hard work and you realize that hard work, you know, correlates to success. And then they, they start correlating hard work to having fun. Um, like, I, I, I enjoy the hard work. I enjoy the grind because this is going to be at, at the end of the street, end of the road for me. Um, and it, it's really awesome to see. But, yeah, it's uh, it's right now, like, it's kind of crazy because we just had a couple of nice 60-degree weeks, and now we're about to go into 35 and 40. So these guys, we might have a little pop uh, kind of hit the wall here soon with that 35-degree weather. I'm telling you, I saw the Royals game. They got uh, snow today, so they're trying to decide if they're going to play it or not. I just can't believe that it's yeah April twentieth and we're still got snow going on, so it's crazy. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's uh, it's I'm hoping 
after this next week or so, it's it's gonna cool, it's gonna warm up a little bit. But like you, we were just talking last week, um, like in Mobile, it seems like everything is like kind of delayed. It seems like the cold lasts a little bit longer before the heat, and it seems like same way here. Our first week of June last year, I think it was yeah, it was last year. We played a forty five degree game in June wow. and for 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 Bulls, and we were yeah. kind of look us coaches look at each other like, dude, what the hell is going on? Why is it forty? Oh, summer ball, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous, but well, man, so you were kind of dropping some knowledge on me and why don't you kind of tell the listeners what you've been hearing when it comes to some of the data, when it comes to you know the strikeout ratio on some of the guys in MLB and kind of um, what your thoughts are on it. Yeah. So I, I was reading something, I guess yesterday, and it was just talking about how we're on pace. The major league baseball players are on pace to have the lowest batting average they've ever had. And ever since they've been playing MLB games and also they're on pace to break the strikeout record. So Instantly, I try to think of it as a hitting standpoint, a hitting side of thing. We're both hitting instructors is what is the issue or what's the cause of this? And number one, I'm going to go to these these pitchers are better than they ever have been. And they, they're learning exactly how they're supposed to pitch. And I think that's the craziest thing is you'll see these guys pull out scouting reports out of their back pocket and it's telling them exactly what they think is best to do, kind of like a offensive coordinator telling the quarterback exactly what he thinks to do to beat this defense. So I think pitchers are executing better and they're throwing harder. They're throwing nastier sliders. It's just overall the game has shifted where pitchers are dominating. And, but from a hitting side of things, I think we have lost the art of two strike approach two strike hitting. I think we also, the chase rate starting to really go up. I was watching Javier Baez Sunday night baseball and his chase rate was out of control. They showed his, his chart that everything he swung at, and Ted Williams talks about this in his book is the best hitters in the world swing at strikes. And so now we've got to dictate, know the strike zone and attack the strike zone very well. And so you don't just get go up there playing the guessing game because the last thing you want to do is play the guessing game against the best guys in the world. So it's tough because we are both hitting guys. We want to root for these hitters and say, hey, this is what they need to change or something that they need to be different. I think teams are selling out more for power, which is understandable because Hitting a three-run bomb, maybe it was a walk, a bloop, and then a three-run bomb, now you're up three to nothing, as opposed to hitting these singles and trying to single teams to death and get these guys to come around and score. It's just very unlikely these days that you're going to get four hits in a row. And I think that's why these teams are selling out on these hitters of, hey, okay, like I'm okay if you strike out 200 times, but I need 30 bombs from you. So it's kind of a what-do-you-want-more situation. Are you still wanting to have your contact guys that put the ball in play? Are you wanting to have – Everybody needs to try to hit for power. I think teams just need to understand where they're at. And the best team in the, all of baseball right now is the Dodgers. And I think they do this better than anybody is Robert Van Skoyak, their hitting coach, puts together amazing plans for them. And just watching them, their at-bats are different than watching other MLB games. They have a plan. They go up there with their plan. They're still going to strike out. But they're going to have a plan of how to attack this pitcher. And I think we just got to get back to – taking being competitive in a box and not being okay with not having a two strike approach. These guys are good enough. Uh, Shifts are another thing. These guys are good enough that if the guy's leaving the shortstop hole wide open, go ahead and beat the shift and do it a couple of times and maybe they'll quit shifting you because this is so frustrating to watch at night. These guys routinely hit ground balls to second base. That's playing right field that are lefties because that's what they're supposed to do is pull the ball. So it's kind of hindsight 2020. We talk about bridging the gap, old school, new school. I just think, We've got to get back to maybe they didn't strike out as much in the old school, but they weren't facing the elite level pitchers. But I also think the old school guys definitely were more into contact, more into not striking out, more into putting the ball in play. Uh, I was reading there was a scout the other night talking about this is the most he's ever went like one inning, not hearing the crack of the bat, meaning people are swinging and missing. 
And it's just it's, it gets boring at times. You guys want to see we want to see offense. So uh, the commissioner's trying to drop ideas on how to enhance offense in this game. I don't think it's to move the mountain back. I just don't see what that's really going to help with uh, change the mountain height. I, we just got to find a way for these hitters to, I guess, buy into what they're really wanting to do. And maybe these hitting coaches are telling them, Hey, we don't care if you strike out and they are buying into it. You just kind of, you got to understand and see where you're at. And no, I just go back to the Royals team that won it like four years ago. I'm not a Royals fan. I brought up the Royals twice now, but <laughs> that what they won the world series four years ago, they were the, team that put the ball in the play the most they ran they were athletic they stole like you just don't see that happen much anymore and it it does get kind of frustrating I love the long ball we both love the long ball we're having a competition about how many home runs our people are going to hit this year but at the same time you still have to manufacture things and make things happen and use your athleticism if this guy you drafted him because he ran a 6-260 let him run the bases because he runs a 6-260 don't just stick him at first and say hey the data is telling us not to steal because chances are you'll get thrown out and then our inning goes to, you know what? And so let's just stay at first and stay pat. So I just think there's multiple ways we can try to get this thing changed around without making the rule changes of, Hey, we've got to help these hitters out. So this is what we're going to do. These pitchers, the pitchers have stepped up their game. Now it's time for our hitters to step up our game, but what's kind of your thoughts on it, Sean, coming from a perspective of being more of a hitting guy. I know you work with some pitchers too, but more of a hitting guy deep down of, what do you think maybe they can do different to help change this aspect or is there something they can do? Yeah, definitely. And those are all, all very interesting and valid points too. And, and for me, like what, in my opinion, like all the data and technology, I feel like it favors the pitchers more. Um, Cause when it comes to the shifts, you know, being aware of where guys are going to be hit, you can throw into the shifts um, under pitchers, understanding what, what, what how they uh, can with certain pitches and how, you know, throwing low in the zone versus high in the zone, um, you know, effective swing and miss rates. Like for me as a hitter, it's like it's like for me in my my eyes, it's a little bit harder because there's there's still like you could sit here and say, okay, this is what this pitcher does, but you still got to recognize it when you're at the plate. You know, when like as a pitcher, you're looking at the hitter and go, okay, this is what his strengths and weaknesses are. I'm going to attack those strengths and weaknesses. Now, obviously, they have to find the location and pitch. Um, in hitting, there's just a lot more that goes into it. There's a reason why hitting is the hardest thing to do in all sports. Like you know. Um, and I'm not, not to say that pitching is easy, but obviously in my opinion and what most people's opinions are is hitting is harder. Um, but when it comes, I, th- I do think that a lot of guys are, are chasing the long ball more now. I think that, you know, you know, you know, for me I, and, and not to, you know, piss off any launch angle guys, but I think the whole launch angle mindset with, with a lot of people like, you know, elevate, um, elevate, elevate, elevate. I think that kind of like people kind of ran with it a little bit, some hitting coaches and I, we've had this conversation with the bulls. Um, some hitting coaches kind of ran with that, not understanding, you know, the mindset of like, Hey, you know, you know, launch angle is not necessarily a swing. You know, it's, it's hit where the ball, you know, the ball is hit in the air, whatever ball is made contact with, will have a launch angle. And, and, and we've talked about launch angle swing and we know what people mean when they say launch angle swing, you know, trying to get big and lift. And that's what they're trying to say, but that's not what it means. And, and for me, when I've watched a lot of these instructors over the past, I don't know, it's been five years, I think that when it really kind of started getting popular and, and, and I always try to make sure that I'm up to date, also keeping that old school mentality at the same time. But I think guys were like, hey, let's get lift, 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 lift. And I had this conversation with a kid yesterday. Um, he, he routinely hits the ball about 85 to 90 miles an hour. Um, and he goes, my coach, you know, I'm hitting balls hard, but they're just, they're fly outs. And my coach is getting pissed off at me. And I go, well, you know, I, I understand those are good swings. I, I get what you're trying to say, but you know, where, where is your launch angle going to be? It's going to give you your highest batting average, like with how hard you hit the ball. Like if you're six, three, 
you know, 220, 230, and you're hitting the ball over 100 mile an hour, you can afford to elevate the ball a lot more. Like that ball's going to travel, that ball's going to go, you're going to hit it over people. But with you, you're going to have to hit the ball more on a line. There's a certain launch angle that's going to be, you know, a higher batting average for you. Um, we've got to hit the ball a certain velocity if you're going to hit this at a certain height. And, and, and for me, it's like, dude, like, just have the mindset of being gap to gap, line drives gap to gap. You know, sometimes you're going to get under some pitches. Sometimes you're going to get on top of some pitches, but you've got to make sure that you understand, you know, where, like how hard you hit the ball, your size and versus where you got to hit the ball and, and on a line, like and when it comes to a height. Um, and I can, I can remember with me in college, like I, I felt like I was the warning track power king a lot of times. And now, now knowing what I know now, obviously I was cutting, cutting balls at times, um, kind of flying out of the zone and not staying through the ball. Um, but there's certain things that we've got to understand as hitters and other times up in the zone, you know, I would get too much on top of ball. So I, I would make too much of a feel adjustment. Um, and it just goes back to at the end of the day, like, you know, repetition is king. And a lot of guys like you don't have, you know, I know kit back in the day would be like, Oh, not a guy, not enough guys play pepper. And, and, and I think that, that there's a little bit of truth behind that. I think what, more along the lines of like, hey, let's work on hitting high velocity. Let's work on hitting slow velocity for the high school guys as well. Let's work on making contact. Let's, let's focus on con- how many times in a row set up two machines and, and how many times in a row can you make contact with you know, the curveball and, and fastball back and forth. Um, let's take a two-strike approach and work on putting the ball in play. For me as a hitter, and obviously I was more of a power guy, like every time I tried to get big, that's when I would strike out the most. Every time I would try to hit the ball 400 feet, that's when I strike out the most. When I would hit the ball the furthest is when I was just trying to make contact um, and, and have, have intent still, obviously, but when I was just trying to put the ball in play. Um, and I think th- these guys in the MLB, they're, they're, they're bigger, stronger, faster than they've ever been. But also another thing that we're, we're not accounting for is the steroid era. Like we grew up in the steroid era where guys were, were juicing. And there's probably still guys juicing, but it's not at as high of a rate. So we watched in the 90s and, and early 2000s, you know, Barry Bonds hitting – 390 or something like that or like that's just uh, like like some of the batting average are not even close to what they used to be mm-hmm. and so there's gonna be a drop off from that it's gonna be a drop off from the technology um and i think as we keep going like you know i think the most important things i think you hit on is the approach at the plate is going to be most important and i think a lot of guys probably aren't doing their homework there's a lot of guys that are so gifted in the mlb unless your hitting coach is making it mandatory which you know making a professional making it mandatory to do their homework that's going to be hard um, but I think there's certain guys that study the game, know the game and really try to do their best when it comes to outside the lines that it shows in the game. Um, and I'm sure Mike Trout and a lot of those guys that, that perform at the highest of levels, they're constantly trying to improve. And there's some guys that, that probably work hard, but they're like, you know what, my, my, my repetition in the cage is going to be enough. So there's so many factors to go into it, but I'm on the same page with you, man. I think that guys got to have more pride in trying to make contact you know, changing the approaches, trying to beat the shifts. Cause there's a lot of guys I'm sure that they're like, well, I'm going to beat the shift based with my strengths anyway. Yep. <laughs> and they won't, you know, they won't lay down that bunt. They won't, they won't try to push that ground ball to the opposite side of the field. Like there's a lot of things. That's why I tell guys all the time is like, you're only as strong as your, is your weakest link. And so, yes, we want to rely on our strengths, but we've got to be able to increase our weaknesses and turn that into at least an average to above average tool in order for us to become more successful um, and I think as the year goes on, like sometimes it's early right now, it might end up averaging out and changing as it goes, but there's so many factors and we'll probably talk about this again, you know, six months down the road and have more data and more, more, more idea of why, the reason why certain things are happening. And like a couple of years ago when the balls were probably juiced for the Astros Dodgers world series, which I think they were yep. um, with all the bombs that were happening. But 
I'm sure I'm sure we're going to get more as, as we get going, but that's kind of where I stand at it is, you know, guys taking more pride in contact. And don't get me wrong, I got struck out a lot when I was in college too, mainly my first two years. Um, and sometimes just learning what you're learning, like, okay, like this isn't working for you. This is the approach you got to have. And I think some guys, like we got a lot of young guys in MLB right now too. That'll change as they get older as well. Yeah, and more mature as a hitter. And I think a big thing I talk about a lot with guys is I'm ready to see the hitting side find a way to do a lot more vision training. Like I know they have the win reality is the new thing out now, the Oculus you put on and you're tracking pitches and getting live at bats. It's just what are some ways we can enhance our vision even more, whether it's tracking color balls or you hit this color, but you take this color. Like, I think that's what we need to get more into when we're practicing the hitting stuff instead of always talking so much about swing mechanics is once those swing mechanics are pretty much where you're going to be, where they're pretty elite for yourself is now we've got to learn how to hit different types of pitches. You've got to learn to recognize pitches, to swing at strikes, to take balls. Like that's where I'm excited to see what's the next big thing that comes out from a hitting standpoint of vision and tracking and how do we get better at this? And I mean, they say the average MLB player's eyesight is 2012. And it's like that for a reason, because to hit, hit these elite level guys, you need every advantage possible to see spin and know what's a strike, know what's a ball. And we've all played with guys that had beautiful swings and batting practice that just never translated to the game. And I always go back to tracking pitch selection and that's the missing link that that player is missing. So how do we help that player get that to get his confidence going? So I'm excited to see where it's going to go. And like you said, it's early in the season. Usually pitching is always ahead of hitting like we've known forever. So let's just see when we get to summertime and everything warms up and these hitters get – 100, 200 at-bats under their belt. Let's see where they're going to be at then. Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually a good point about vision, too. I mean, that's an, maybe that's the next thing in technology is how you can guarantee a 2010 after laser eye surgery yep. or something like that. And like you said, like, you know, seeing certain pitches in the next the next pitching machine that comes out, they, you know, and they, they have some of those virtual reality pitching machines, but maybe that stuff becomes more affordable. Yep. And you can start tracking release points and seeing stuff like that. There's a lot of things that's going to happen over the next five years would be my guess. And I'm sure there's somebody out there working on something that's helping hitters um, that we're going to hopefully have, be able to afford in the future. <laughs> yeah. But we'll find a way to make an off-brand. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But let's kind of uh, roll into uh, the topic, the main topic of the day today. And so I had a couple of guys talk to me about um, pinch hitting. And they were saying, like, you know, some of them were saying, I just didn't perform. And some of them were saying, you know, I feel like that I need to get more at-bats under my belt. I need to kind of get more reps in. Um, and to me, like, I kind of get irritated at the kids. I want to listen to them. And, and, and I had the same thing for some of the college guys. They'll, they'll, they'll let me know. Um, and I, I, get, I get irritated because, obviously, I've been in certain situations. And I've, I've seen other guys that I played with be in certain situations and you could deem them unfair all you want, but at the end of the day, this is a game is about production and you have to produce, you have to execute. And th this isn't just like when it comes to physical as a physical part of the game. It's also, you know, being a good teammate, like you can't be a dick on, on the field and your coach, especially when it comes to high school. If you can get somebody to replace you, they're going to replace you. So you've got to execute what it means to be a good teammate, you know, lifting people up around you. But I kind of want to get your opinion on that, and and you can kind of use any any example you want, and I'll kind of get into some more stuff. But you know, when it comes to the execution over excuses, like guys coming into pinch hit, you know, like what's your advice to those guys, and what do you have to say for those guys? Yeah, I mean, biggest thing number one is excuses got to go out the window. Guys that makes excuses are the ones that usually fail when it's time to perform because they're not physically prepared and they're not ready to get after it. 
And when they make excuses, it's going to be, well, I was set for six innings and then he calls on me for the seventh to pitch hit. Like, yes, that number one, John said it earlier, is that's the hard, the hardest thing to do in all of baseball is to hit or in all of sports is to be a hitter. And then on top of that, you haven't got live reps or anything and they call you up, you're cold off the bench and you're expected to come in there and perform. So it's, I think the big thing for guys is to understand that when you make excuses and you continue to make excuses and you come tell myself or tell Sean, like, that's not a good look on your part. And if we sit there and going to be honest with you, like we both really pride ourselves on, we're going to let you know that that's not okay. And your feelings may get hurt and you may not come back anymore, but that's just what we're here to do. And I promise you, your coach just doesn't like you. Usually a lot of times I hear that from guys, my coach just doesn't like me. My coach just doesn't like, well, tell me why he doesn't like you. Well, are you late to workouts? Do you not do your homework? Are you struggling in the classroom? Well, maybe there's reasons why he doesn't like you. But if you're the straight A student, you say you practice hard, you play hard all the time, and he just – I can't ever please this guy. Look, then maybe he's just riding you harder because he expects more out of you. Don't just assume the guy doesn't like me. So the excuse has got to go out the window first. And then after that is, are you prepared – for any situation possible. So when you're a part of a team, you're not guaranteed anything. You're not guaranteed to be in the starting nine. You're not guaranteed to be on the team. You're not guaranteed at bats. You're not guaranteed to be a starting pitcher or a relief pitcher. It's whatever the coach thinks best for the team. So as soon as you adapt the team mindset, it's a whole lot easier to understand. Do we all want to play? Of course. Do we all want to bat fourth and play shortstop? Of course. Everybody does. But realistically, it does not happen. So you've got to understand where you fit in with your team and be honest with yourself. If you're a leadoff type of speed guy, you don't need to be batting in a group with the sluggers and trying to go yaya with them and hang with them because that's not your game. So an advice to you as a player is understand who you are and then maybe pair yourself up with guys that have similar ability to, to you. That way y'all can work harder in the cage as well as BP. And you kind of have that setting of, I know my role on this team. Coach Kittrell always say is, who's my ants and who's my bulls? And I still kind of use it to this day because there's some guys that are hybrids is what he would talk about. You're an ant slash bull, so to speak. So you can run, you get on base, you hit hard line drives every now and then you run into one. But it's just understanding your role and buying into your role. If your your role is – a wanting and relief guy, then be the best wanting and relief guy possible. And the more you go out there and succeed, the more chances and opportunities you're going to get. I think everybody just automatically assumes that, oh, I, if that first lineup of the year is so funny because everybody is so into that first lineup, what is it going to be? And then when they see their name not in the spot they want, they get extremely disappointed. Now, you show me a team that has the same lineup from day one to day 30, and there's not one out there. It changes all over the place. So you've got to understand this. Parents, you've got to understand this. When you pull up game changer and you see your son's batting seventh and he's playing left field, don't get mad. Just, all right, hey, do the best you can today. The more you produce, you're going to go up in the lineup. Hey, if you be ready, so if the guy in the infield that you used to play makes the errors, you've got to be ready to come in and get a spot. And you've got to understand that timing is everything in the game of baseball. So being on time – and when the time is right, performing and making sure you're prepared to perform. A lot of guys are lack preparation, so they're not ready for that, not ready to perform at that level. And then, coach, I wasn't ready. I haven't taken a ground ball at shortstop in two weeks. Well, stay after, get extra reps, go work with that at the field. Like, there's a way to do this. Don't make excuses why you didn't perform. Just own it up and say, this is what I did. I got to get better at it. So, honestly, parents, kids, just be honest with yourself try to figure out a way to help the team out and quit thinking that maybe a coach has an agenda against you because you're not batting in this position. And then the last thing I want to say before I send it off to you, Sean, is 
parents, just because you're a senior or players, just because you're a senior, don't think you're guaranteed to start because you've waited your time. Like the coach's job is to win games. If there's a freshman that is level with you or maybe a little bit below, if I'm a coach, I'm going to play the freshman and you may get frustrated about it, but I have three, four more years to get this guy even better where you've been here this whole time and maybe you haven't improved, you're peaked out. So I'm going to let the freshman play, get more reps, get more live at bats, get more chances than you because in my opinion, you are both similar together. He's going to get better in the long run from doing this standpoint here. So just understand where you're at. Don't make excuses with it. Know your role and then go with it from there. So, Sean, what's kind of your thing? I, I was excited you brought this topic up because excuses are a big part of life and baseball as well. So can you kind of just go with your standpoint of where you stand in all of this? Yeah, man. And, you know, you know, success happens when preparation meets opportunity. And we've hold that old adage a million times in life. And I'm glad you said that is the most guys like the preparation. And, and I'll kind of go into story time first, because you talked about the first line of the year. And it, I, I was talking to a coach and um, this parent was pissed off because his son wasn't in the first lineup of the year. And later that day, that that dad is sitting there talking about how he's going to change schools. <laughs> right? But this, the thing is, like, this doesn't happen just once. This happens all over these days. Yeah. All the time, man. Like people, I, the older I get and the more I'm around like successful people. And I, 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 this is what I say. Like, I don't have very many friends if, you know, very rarely at all. Like I always say this to myself and I say it to people like, and I talk to, I joke around with the LT squad and I'm like, Hey, like you guys are, are I'm friends with teenage kids and, and the yep. parents of the teenage kids I train more than anybody. Exactly. And, and, and I relate to those people. And I just had a dad yesterday. He's like, you know, I had a, a couple of people asking about coming to get lessons with you and they just, they didn't have the right mentality. I said, well, it's kind of hard to get in with coach Laird's because <laughs> they were like, <laughs> this guy isn't the type of mentality. And they yeah. know like there's a certain mentality that, that comes along with this and, and saying that like hearing those stories. And I, there was another story. Uh, this happened in Indianapolis recently at, at the grand park basketball complex. Um, some parent went on the, the court to attack a uh, referee um, over some kind of call, or I think it was a coach or something like that. I'm, I'm, if I butcher this story, whoever's listening, sorry. But anyways, the referee like punched the dad, like tried to slap the dad or whatever, and they got into a fist fight right in front of all these kids and stuff. And like for me, like I'm not one of those, like I personally don't, you know, advocate violence. Obviously, I don't have a problem if somebody gets into a fight, but there's a time and place, and that is 100% not the time and place. We are not raising our children to to act like that in that environment and be in that environment that is inexcusable and disgusting. And, and for me, it's like, when I see stuff like this, I'm just like, I'm seeing administrations in high schools and I'm seeing things and we see it. And when it comes to politics, I'm not going to get into that, but it, people are allowing people, their voices to be heard when their voices shouldn't be heard. Um, just because you have an opinion doesn't mean you have the right to voice the opinion and be heard and say, this is needs to be done. Like the 5% of people that complain, the rules should not and should never be revolved around that 5% of people that complain. It should never be like that. But unfortunately, this is the mentality. School board hears a complaint about a, a coach. Um, they feel like they got to talk to about talk to the coach. Now, yep. if this is being said at a 50% or 25 whatever percent ratio, a high ratio. Yeah. Maybe those are conversations that are happening. Um, when it comes to administrator, obviously not from the parents, but I, we're listening to people uh, voice complaints or, or, or upset about playing time or upset about this and these excuses there. It's just going through the roof. Well, this coach has it out for me. 
Uh, I talk to parents sometimes and you would think that they, they think the whole world is out to get their kid. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, nobody cares. Like at the end of the day, and I will say this, like at the end of the day, nobody cares about you. Like nobody gives a shit if your son is, you know, like if, if, if they're, they're going to try to prevent him from achieving his goals and happiness at the end of the day, 99% of people just care about themselves. They want to make sure that they're successful. They want to make sure they take care of themselves. Like if they're a, a head coach, they're just trying to win ball games. If they're a player, they're just trying to be successful on the field and play every game. Um, as a parent, nobody's going to ha- have it out to you. Now there are certain cases where some people are going to have issues with you. And the person listening right now is probably like, Oh, that's me. That's me right now. That coach, like he has it up against me. That's why my kid's not playing. And like when you talk about the preparation, so as a parent, like I'll, I'll address the parent side first. If your kid is not performing, if your kid is a pinch hitter or if he's a relief pitcher and you think it should be a starting pitcher, you think kids should be in starting lineup. This is what you need to say. You need to say, earn it, period, earn it. It's not my decision. It's not my choice. You know, if you pinch hit and you hit a double, you're going to get another opportunity, period. If you pinch hit and you strike out, that's your fault. If you're taking fastballs just because it's not your pitch. I had a kid yesterday tell me, because I asked him, I was like, dude, why did you take two fastballs in this at bat? And he goes, well, that wasn't my pitch. I go, no. I said, if you want to perform at the highest level, there's seven baseballs that fit across the plate. If it's a hitter's count and you can't cover five of those seven baseballs, you're not going to play, period. It is what it is. You hunt fastball, you see fastball, you attack fastball. You've got to know when to go. And then we started talking about cutting the plate in half and understanding where guys are going to throw in a two-strike approach. And he had acted like that was the first time we ever had that conversation. And we have that conversation all the time. And it's like, there you go. Like your preparation did not meet your opportunity right there. That didn't happen. Like, so long story short, like I'm going to talk about the, the, the kid that uh, is complaining about pinch hitting, like, and I'll use myself as an example. I don't, I, I like using myself as an example on these podcasts, but I also don't like it because I don't want to sit there, but it's my experience. So in college, there was multiple times it'd be the eighth inning it's 45 degrees, freezing cold in the random month that it would be cold in Mobile, right? Um, and there would be certain situations my freshman year that um, Kit, our head coach, hey, Sean, you're, you're pinch hitting. And the other guy would already be in the box. I had no idea, no, didn't know what I was doing. Like, oh, my God, like, I got to go to the plate. And I went up there, and um, I was successful more than I wasn't successful. Um, but I will say when I wasn't successful, I realized, like, hey, I need to be prepared. Now I realize in this situation that I'm going to be called on at any given moment. So I need to make sure that I'm taking dry hacks in between innings. I need to make sure I have my batting gloves on 24 seven. I need to make sure that I have my bat, my helmet, everything ready to go. I need to make sure I'm prepared for this opportunity. And sure enough, when I started taking that seriously and saying, Hey, I'm not in the lineup today. And I think it was my, the first three weeks I never touched a game my freshman year of college. And then I started getting those pinch hit opportunities from there. And then I found myself into the lineup almost every day towards the end and uh, the second half. And I realized that I wasn't preparing because I'd never been in that situation before and didn't know exactly how to prepare. Could the coach have said, hey, Sean, you're probably going to pinch hit here in the next couple innings. Or, Sean, you might pinch hit. Yeah, but at the same time, this coach is, is thinking about a lot of different things. This coach is trying to cover so many things in the game. So sometimes that coach doesn't have the time or doesn't have the, the uh, availability to say, Hey, you, you know, you guys be ready. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. And, and our coach just wasn't that guy. He was going to be the guy that was going to make decisions last second, come to his head. Boom. It was what it was. So I learned to adapt or die in that situation. And so I adapted. Um, 
And, and, and for me, like guys, when they make this excuse, like, Hey, I need consistent at bats to be able to be successful. Well, no, you don't. This game at the end of the day is you got to perform or you don't perform. So if you're not getting the at bats in the game, are you sitting inside live bullpens between games? Are you getting live at bat opportunities in practice? Are you asking your coach what you could do to be better? And that's another thing. It's okay. As a player, you can go up and ask your coach and have a conversation with them. Hey coach, why am I not in the lineup? Like a lot of guys I'll ask, I'll tell us to a lot of guys like, it's okay to have a conversation with your coach. You need 100% be respectful, um, but don't be afraid of the answer and then don't talk shit about the answer when you get it back. Like you've got to accept the answer, look at yourself in the mirror and be like, hey, are you not, are you not performing? If your coach says, you know, you're a pinch hitter, and I always tell guys the, the best hit is a pin, the best pitch to hit as a pinch hitter is that first pitch fastball. Most of the time they're going to try to get ahead in the count. And they're going to try to throw that fastball. If you're watching the game, and here's another thing as a pinch hitter, if you're watching the game, and you're watching the pitcher, if you're just sitting there chatting with your buddies and hanging out and you're just like, hey, bro, what's up, dude? Look at that chick out in the crowd, whatever. you know, And you're not paying attention to the game. Are you going to be prepared for that pitcher when you come in a pinch hit? No. That's the thing is like there's so many factors that go into your role as a pinch hitter. And now let's translate this to a relief pitcher. And I, I've had kids in the past will tell me, I'm not a relief pitcher. I'm a starter. I go, what the hell does that mean? I go, uh, what about the first inning of the game? Like when you come in as a start, like you have plenty of preparation. Is that the difference? Well, yeah, I have plenty of preparation. I go, then why don't you start warming up earlier then? Like, you know, you're going to possibly be in relief. So why don't you start earlier? And I go also, that's a loser. That's a weak mentality saying that you're one thing or another. You're 17, you're 15, you're 14, whatever years old. You don't know what you are. Like you think at that age in your career, you are like, oh, this is what I am. This is what I do. Dude, get out of here, man. You don't have any clue where you're going to be at. There's guys that, that are, are Hall of Fame closers that were probably starters growing up. There's guys that were starters in the big leagues that probably came in relief and shut the door in high school. There's guys in MLB that were shortstops, and they're pitching in, 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 in the MLB now. Like Jacob DeGrom, the best pitcher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. Like, and, and, uh, there was somebody else I was reading an article the other day. He's like, I didn't pitch to my senior high school. Could you imagine that dude as a junior or as a, sorry, as a senior high school going goes, bro, dude, I'm not a pitcher, man. I'm, I'm a position player. And now he's throwing 98 in the MLB and, and, and dealing like we've got to get out of this mentality and the parents too, like stop saying that your kid's a shortstop. Stop saying that your kid's a, a you know, this or that. Stop saying that your kid needs to be in this perfect environment, I need to rub him with warm milk the night before games, rub those hamstrings, get him ready. That's a little Giants reference for those that aren't knowing. But um, we've got to get out of this excuse, excuse, excuse. I know what's best. I know what's right, period. There's a difference between knowing your body and knowing what's best for you. You're never going to know what's best for you if you don't put yourself in uncomfortable situations. Like You're never going to know what you can do. And at the end of the day, if you're a pitcher, it doesn't matter. You, I throw you under the bus, you're going to pitch, right? You put you in, no matter the situation, you're a competitor first, not really a pitcher. You're playing a game, a competition, right? So you're trying to beat the guy in front of you. You're saying that just because you get one inning here, that you're saying that you're not going to be able to beat that guy in front of you. To me, it's like, I've, I'm super competitive. Like I'll play my wife and stuff, or I play my, my kids and stuff. And of course I'll let my kids win sometimes, but you know, I'm going to like, Hey, let's go, let's get after it. Like I'm, I'm competitive. Like I can remember in high school, just playing stupid volleyball games. I'd be competitive. It's just, it's just in my nature. 
So I never, ever will relate to the people that say, well, I'm not this. This is the reason why I'm failing as a relief pitcher because I'm not a relief pitcher. No, you just don't have the right mentality. And you've been told that you're something or you think that you're something. And in reality, you don't realize that you're a competitor first. You, you are a winner first. Like no matter the situation you can get thrown in, there's always a, there's always a, ba- a better way to prepare. You could have prepared better. And then once you start being successful, most times in the majority of the times, maybe you've kind of found that formula and what you're trying to do right there. Um, and there's so many factors going into this, but Adam, can you think of any other examples and situations of guys in the past, you know, you know, uh, of kind of making excuses in certain situations? Yeah. And just like from a hitting standpoint, the hitter side of things is I think when I made the biggest adjustment and the biggest jump in my game personally was when I accepted that I was going to fail and have some nights that weren't my night. Cause I was so used to, always having the success. And then as you get up in this game, you've placed better and better, better competition at each level from youth ball to middle school, to elementary to, I mean, to middle school, to JV, to varsity college. If you play pro ball, like it intensifies and goes higher each and every time you're facing better competition. So I think when I finally sat back and realized, Hey, I went over three last night with three strikeouts, instead of thinking of what needs to change, maybe it was, dude, I did everything I normally do. I did my T work. I did my routine. I visualized, I studied the scouting report. I just didn't perform tonight. And so next game, I want to be ready to get out there and perform instead of making excuses like, well, you know, batting practice got cut short or we didn't get the hit today. So that's what I'm going to blame it on. Or I didn't have time to do my T work. Like instead of these other things that we're always looking for to make excuses when we don't perform, just accept that in the game of baseball, you're going to fail a lot more than you succeed when you fail. Okay. Was it, if it wasn't my night, it just wasn't my night. Now, if you, I'm talking about if you go over your next 20 and you're struggling, okay, now it's time to reevaluate and look at making adjustments. But you're going to have those off nights. And I think as soon as hitters and players and parents understand we all have off nights, the easier this game is going to become where, okay, I know I'm, I'm expected to have these bad nights. From pitching, as they talk about all the time, is if I have five starts, one of those starts I have my A-plus stuff. The other three, I've got to just compete and see what happens. The four and five, good luck. It's just not there tonight. And you're going to have those days. It got – But Sean nailed it with the pitch hitting standpoint. Is It drives me nuts. So the coach is letting you pitch it because he wants you to make a difference in the game or he thinks you can make a difference in the game. But if you're not watching the game, if you're not mentally getting prepared for this opportunity, if you're not expecting this opportunity to come up, you're not going to succeed and you're going to go in there, you're going to take the first pitch and then you're going to be down and it's going to be game over with. So just take it as, okay, coach didn't start me. Well, I'm going to prove him wrong. When I get this pitch hit standpoint, I'm going to go in there, smack the first pitch and get it over with. And don't try to do too much with this first pitch. Make sure that you understand exactly what is going on and where the game's at. What is your job to do? He may pitch hit you to get a bunt down because it's got first and second. Guess what? Do your job. Execute. That's all this game of baseball is about. And the more times you do your job, the more opportunities you get. And so understanding failure, understanding your role, going back to that, and, and your parents understanding your kid's role and not trying to dictate their own path for them, let their path take over and they go down that path. So it's, this is a cool topic to cover today because I, I am tired of the excuses. I'm tired of kids not being honest with herself. And then even coming back and maybe complaining to us about it. And then we are going to favor them a little bit because we know them personally. But if I know that high school coach and I reach out to him and he tells me what's going on, 
now you're just telling half the story and now you got a bad taste in my mouth because you're not being honest with me about, well, this is why he's not getting the reps. This is why he's not starting. And you've left out that whole aspect there. So just be a hundred percent honest with yourself. And if you get sat on the bench for a game or two, understand why you're there and realize this sucks. I do not like sitting on the bench. So I'm going to bust my butt to make sure I get another opportunity. And when it comes, I'm going to be ready for it instead of pouting and complaining and be like, well, he's stupid. He shouldn't have set me. I show him to show him I'm going to leave right when practice is over. I'm going to not do the extra stuff just to prove him and be like, yeah, you messed up. No, take it as all right. He's challenging me. I'm going to accept the challenge and I'm going to come back a better person. Cause I can't tell you how many guys either I played with that maybe when adversity hit them, if they accepted that challenge in the long run, they won. If they didn't accept the challenge, they always end up quitting or they don't come back the next year or they just shut down and say, baseball is not for me. So it's up to you. It's, do you want to accept the challenge or do you not? And when you decide what that is and you look in the mirror and make the determination of what you want to do is now you attack it fully, full steam ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and when it comes to those guys, like maybe you're not in the lineup because, you know, you're a baby and you're a horrible teammate sometimes. And like you were saying before, like, you know, if I have a freshman who's on par talent-wise with a senior, and this is something that parents get thrown fits about, is like, well, our kid's a senior, he deserves to play. Your kid doesn't deserve anything. You don't, you don't earn stripes just because you're there for a long period of time. Does your coach probably trust you when you're a, a little older? Yeah, the coach is probably going to trust you a little bit more and trust your experience. But just because you've been there doesn't mean that you're guaranteed a starting spot. And the coach is looking at this long term, and and this is something that is very like when I get on kids in the summer. And sometimes kids, you know, you know, they'll take it, take it like a man, they'll do it right. And, and sometimes parents get pissed off and kids get pissed off there. There's a small mindset. And then there's the, like I was saying before, there's the growth and long-term mindset. People look at it right now, like, oh my God, this coach is getting on me. Not realizing that this coach is getting on you right now, or this coach is teaching you right now because he sees growth for the next four years or the rest of your career. This, what he's doing right now is going to help you four years down the road. The discipline that coach Laird is trying to teach you right now is going to help you four years down the road. All a parent sees is like, Oh my God, the coach is getting on my kid. Why, 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 why? Like whining and acting like a baby about it just because it hurts their ego and it hurts their feelings. Not understanding that, you know, accountability is re- the utmost respect in the world at period. And those freshmen, like that coach, is looking long-term. Decisions are made to affect long-term programs, and the good coaches affect the long-term growth of the individual, of the person. And so, um, and, and, you, and you brought up the fact about, you know, the coach and, 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 and the player, why am I not playing? Um, and I, I specifically had a conversation with a coach recently. Is like when the kid's not playing, he's a turd. Like he acts like a baby. He whines and pouts and stuff. And that's a big, big, big thing. Like, I don't expect players, if they're not in the lineup, to be happy. I would never, I was never happy when I wasn't playing. But I didn't want to pout and act like a little baby. And that's the thing is, like, when you act like a baby and your body language is bad, listen to this. If, if anybody's listening to this podcast and you don't take anything away from this, it shows how weak you are. It shows weakness. It shows that you're soft. It shows that like little things can affect your personality. Little things can affect your character. Little things can affect how you act. If words can affect you, you are easily controlled. If a lineup can affect you, you're easily controlled. You've got to see the long-term and, and things and stop seeing right now and see what can happen if you conquer the adversity long-term or why you're putting the situation or why you're not playing um, and, and take extreme ownership, like take ownership over everything that you do. Like, Okay, I've done this right, this right, this right. 
well, I did do this wrong. Well, that's an excuse. I had a kid that told me he dropped a fly ball in the outfield. And I go, what? so you dropped a fly ball in the outfield? I said, no big deal. I've, I've missed in front of 6,000 fans at Ole Miss. I missed a fly ball and saw a bunch of beer grow. It happens, man. And I missed it. I had no excuse. It is what it was. I, I, I lost in the lights, overran it, missed it. I could sit here and say, well, dude, I lost it in the lights. I, I, I missed it. Well, no, I should have I read it better. I just, it is what it is. Um, as you know, Adam, it's, it's, it's embarrassing as hell. But at the end of the day, if you take ownership over it, then you're going to start doing the things outside and in a practice to help you with that and say, okay, well, I need to work on this ball in the lights situation late at night. It's, it's hard to see. I need to work on that. This kid told me, well, I caught it and then I dropped it. So he's immediately making an excuse like, dude, shut up, man. Like you dropped the ball. Like I, I, I had no issues with you dropping the ball. I was just curious about it. And now I have a problem because you're sitting there saying that you caught it and then dropped it. Like did, did the umpire count it as a hit or not? Or did it count it as an error or not? Count as there. I dropped the ball. Then shut up, man. Like, like face it. It's so many people are so afraid to admit fault. So many people are afraid to be disciplined and 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 be you know somebody holding them accountable just because of the ego. Like we got to stop with the ego. Like I have a big ego, but I also have a lot of humility at the same time, and that's the fine line. Like a lot of people talk about being humble, and humble is the right way. I disagree. I think humble and you know, confidence is the right way. I, confidence and ego go hand in hand for me. Like, I think you got to have a cross between both because you got to have confidence that you could do everything. And th- those are the most successful business uh, businessmen, like those most successful people that are on the baseball field, like they have the utmost confidence in the world. Like you were saying, Adam, just because you went 0 for 3 doesn't mean you suck. Just because you 0 for 3 doesn't mean you're going to blame your hitting coach or blame this or blame that. Like I got another kid who, who, who will text me every time he has an off game. And, and like, dude, like, relax, man. Sometimes you just have an off game. Like, oh, my hand, I'm having trouble with my hands with, uh, with live pitching. I go, dude, you hit a home run two days ago. And today you go over through with a couple of ground outs. And all of a sudden you have a problem. Like sometimes you just didn't make the adjustment. You just didn't perform. It is what it is. Does it mean that you need to, you know, freak out and change everything? No, it's like, stop making the excuses. Start saying, I either need to perform or not perform. And I need to learn from every, every failure is a chance for me to learn period. Um, and that's kind of how I want to end with that and kind of, kind of finish from there. Is there anything you want to add right there, Adam? Yeah. I would just say if coaches are listening to this or even parents, just have these conversations with your kids. Like if they're not in the starting lineup and talk with them after the game, but it's, you got to know how to approach it. Don't come at them of a standpoint, like you're pissed off. Why aren't you playing? Just see if they really understand why maybe they're not getting a chance. One thing I prided myself on last summer was I approached some guys that maybe weren't getting in the lineup and, just kind of sit in the dugout with them and it's like, Hey, why do you, why do you think you're not in there? And there were great conversations because most of the kids understood why it was the ones that were like, I don't know that it's like, okay, you're not getting, <laughs> you don't get this. It's the ones that understand what's I'm not performing right now. Okay. Uh, now we can be honest with each other. And what is the adjustment we need to go to make you perform? Are you working hard enough? Are you putting in the extra reps? And it's cool to see the guys we coach in the summer because these are the best players from their high school teams are all playing on one team now. And so maybe when they're in high school, they got away with crap because they were the best player. Now when they're around alpha males just like themselves, is they either have to step up their game or they can't get away doing the just to get by stuff that worked in high school. It's I've got to go above and beyond if I want to be in that starting nine against the best teams on the field and be with the best guys. And so parents have this conversation with your player after the game is, hey, Joe, why don't you think you why don't you think you didn't play today? And if they come back with coach doesn't like me, say, no, let's really evaluate this. Is the guy in front of you better? Is he producing? 
did you not produce? Are you struggling? Are you working hard enough? Let's look at that side of things before we want to sit here and just blame somebody else. Absolutely. hundred percent. And I'll end with a story real quick. Um, maybe this will help somebody out, but I was talking to my freshman year of college, but my freshman year of high school, I, I, I made varsity. I thought it was really cool. Awesome. Obviously I was like, yeah, man, this is awesome. And we got to the first game. I didn't play. I went home and said, man, this sucks, man. I, I just sat there for seven innings. I didn't play at all. Do you know what my dad said? Nothing. Didn't say anything, you know, and my dad is competitive as, as I'll get out. And a, a couple more games went like that. That following weekend, that shortstop was struggling. I had an opportunity to play and I had two doubles off the wall. From then on out, I got opportunities to play and I was starting every single game from there. If I failed right there and I missed and, and, I, and, I, and I was over three with two K's or three K's or whatever, would I have expected to be in the lineup? Hell no, I wouldn't have expected to be in the lineup. Does it mean that I would have been happy for sitting? Hell no, I would have been happy for sitting. But we've got to understand that if you know we don't meet those expectations and we don't reach those expectations, we're not going to get what we think we deserve. We've got to, we've got to perform when the lights come on. And like you said, Adam, the best players in the world, you know, playoffs starting in Alabama, those guys are going to perform when the lights come on. Um, and you can sit there and use that as an example and it'll help motivate you. Or you can use yourself as an example. You know, Adam's conquered a lot of adversity himself as well. You know, there's so many things that go into the game. You know, your confidence is built from that preparation and those, those situations when you perform under the clutch. But if you guys enjoyed this episode, uh, please leave that five-star review. Really enjoyed this one. And uh, until next time, we'll see you guys later.